Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian, here as always with Michaela. Michaela, how's it going? Are you, uh, are you catching up on any of your uh, Oscar films, or did you get to watch the uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards? Or Oh my gosh, did I ever. Um, I am super excited uh, about the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Uh-huh. It, mostly around who this Best Actress contender for the Oscars, because a different person has won Best Actress every every award show. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a free for all for the Oscars. Um, So I, um, I did some catching up on the Oscar contender films um, Mm -hmm. as well. So that was really cool. I had some time to myself where I could watch a couple movies at once um, or in one sitting. So I was able to watch pieces of a woman, which I think you were able to see really recently too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I took that one off the list this weekend. It was, it was uh, very good. Yeah, I, I definitely think I understand why she's up for Best Actress. That was pretty, yeah, very intense, yeah. very intense film. Yeah, and then, Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, Vanessa Kirby. She's fantastic. Um, and I haven't seen her in a lot of other things, actually. Yeah, I've only really seen her um, in The Crown, other than in this film. I haven't seen any of her other uh, pieces of work. Um, I, she's you know excellent in the in The Crown as well. So I'm gonna have to do a little bit more uh, digging and see some other things that she's been in as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I hope this, you know, I don't know if she's going to win, but man, it was a pretty, very powerful, very powerful performance. Yeah, what did, what about sure. you? Did you but, see anything? Yeah. So I uh, saw that and I saw uh, over the moon, uh, which you'd seen uh, last week. That was really good. Uh, the wife and I uh, watched that one. Uh, really fun uh, story there. The good music. It looked great. The the visual storytelling of it was was cool. Good one to watch with the kids, like you'd said. So we watched that and then watched uh, Tenet last night, which I'm probably going to have to watch like once a week until the Oscars if I want to try to figure out what's going on uh, yep. with that one. Uh, but it was is very interesting premise. So like I said, I might have to give that one another watch and, and see if I can uh, put my finger on it. But I think I'm down to, I think, 12 or 13 left to watch. So I'm doing nice. I'm doing uh, pretty good on my overall list. So nice. Yeah, I was able to knock quite a few out this week. Um, and it sounds, it's hard, right? It sounds like we're not, you know, paying enough attention to them, but it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's 65 films or something throughout, the, mm-hmm. you know, if you count all the short documentaries, but um, right. I'm really excited that this year, even though I'm not part of any sort of secret Oscar club anymore where they send you everything, um, that I'm probably going to be able to watch all of them. So I'm, and make an educated guess for our contest which mm-hmm. is um, now open to the public. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, uh, so I put up a little post about it on our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, but yeah, we're doing a contest. We've got some uh, special one of a kind limited edition uh, whiskey glasses to give away as uh, drink the movies Oscars 2021. And to enter that it's free. You just go to our website and you're going to go to the Oscars 2021 tab and uh, basically fill out uh, who you think is going to win the Oscars and whoever gets the most right picks is going to win one of those glasses. So definitely make sure you get entered into that. And then, you know, we're going to go into 
you know, way more detail on about, you know, kind of our, our picks and what we thought about the films, you know, as we get uh, closer to the Oscars time, but yeah, definitely want to make sure you get entered into that giveaway. Cause uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. It but sure you know, is. but you know what, uh, trying to get through all of these Oscar movies has been <laughs> pretty stressful. And <laughs> I, I think I need something to relax. Mm, well, for relaxing time, make it Centauri time. Yeah, and I'm always ready for some Suntory time. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about this week's cocktail, the Whiskey Amore. So this week's cocktail is inspired by a cocktail called the Whiskey Amore. And it comes to us from the awesome blog, Cinema Sips. Love them. You're welcome to check them out. Um, we'll link her article to the show notes and onto our website because um, this is the second or third time I think we've gotten uh, inspiration from cinema sip so yeah it's a it's a really fun blog so definitely uh want to go check uh her website out and yeah so in the movie lost in translation which is the film for this week uh bob you know our uh, main character there he's ends up in tokyo he's there to shoot some commercials for the suntory whiskey brand he's uh actually pitching the suntory habiki 17 year old uh whiskey which you get some sort of varying uh, reports on if you read a lot of articles online it will have you believe that it's no longer in production or not available but it is still available on their website and they have links to where you can buy it so i'm not sure where kind of that information is coming from uh, but yeah in the in the film he's drinking the 17 year old whiskey now if you happen to track a bottle of this down i want to say it's like i don't know like 300 so don't use that in this cocktail uh, so yeah. we're uh, so the one we picked to use is the Suntory Toki whiskey, which is kind of their uh, more entry level. It's just a blended whiskey. Think of like a blended Scotch whiskey, something like that. Yeah. Um, now Hibiki, which is the whiskey he's drinking in the film, that uh, translated into English kind of means resonance or echo, which I think is really nice. So. Ooh. Yeah, and that I've actually sound good. And I've actually had um, a bottle of the Hibiki, not the not the twelve or the seventeen year. They also just make a blend um, of it as well that's uh, un un age marked there. But yeah, really good. So if you ever get a chance to try, you know, one of their higher end ones, I would definitely uh, recommend giving it a try. But uh, Michaela, why don't you run through the recipe for everyone? Sure. So for the whiskey and more, it's two ounces of whiskey. Uh, as you said, we use Centauri Toki whiskey. Uh, it's an ounce of grapefruit juice, which we recommend fresh, um, but you can mm -hmm. buy grapefruit juice uh, at almost any local grocery store. And mm -hmm. then an ounce of honey syrup, which is something you're going to make ahead of time. It is um, kind of like simple syrup, except for sugar, you use honey and you use, um, you can use it in a one-to-one -one ratio or two-to-one ratio. Mm -hmm. um, we made the two-to-one and it's super easy. You just add the honey uh, to the hot water and mix until it's becomes more of a syrup and the honey kind of melts into the water. It's really easy to do. Um, mm -hmm. And then you can store it just like simple syrup. You can store it in your fridge for a couple of weeks. Yep. And so you add those things, you shake them in a shaker and then you strain into a martini glass or a coupe, coupe glass. And then um, I always like to add a garnish with a grapefruit peel, which if you're using real grapefruit to make the grapefruit juice you have readily available and it's mm -hmm. uh it's quite beautiful it's quite beautiful drink yeah it's it's a very lovely drink um i would say if you're going to use fresh grapefruit juice you're probably going to want to double strain that through the the strainer like lid on your cocktail shaker and then also kind of a finner mesh strainer to get the little bits of pulp out there but yeah this yeah. uh 
it went together really easy. If you do uh, squeeze your own grapefruit, uh, you get about four ounces out of like a half of a grapefruit. So it's enough to, you know, make cocktails for kind of everyone at the table. If you're having, you know, a dinner or something and you wanted to make something fancy, it's a super simple uh, cocktail to mix up and pour out. And like you said, it looks great. So, yeah, no, it's quite beautiful. It's got this really kind of pinkish gold color to it. And um, grapefruit peels are always nice because they're bigger, like the grapefruit's mm-hmm. bigger than a lemon. So for me, it's easier to peel, to, to get a good peel and right. kind of turn it and make it pretty. Um, I'm still learning, you know, obviously how to do all this. So, but yeah. uh, how did you like the way it tasted? Um, I thought it was amazing. So grapefruit is probably my favorite fruit, uh, my favorite citrus fruit. So um, that combined with the whiskey, it was just an excellent uh, cocktail. Um, now on Cinema Sips website, um, she made hers with bourbon. So, I mean, you can make this really with any whiskey that you wanted to. We just decided mm-hmm. to use the, you know, that Suntory uh, whiskey to to pair up with what Bob's drinking in the film. But yeah, you could definitely try it with that. It would be really good probably with like a rye whiskey. Um, that would Ooh, be yeah. a little bit spicier uh, to go with the grapefruit. But yeah, this one was excellent. So I'm probably going to add this to the uh, rotation of cocktails I'm making. Yeah, no, I definitely have. Um, I had some, saw some friends recently and they were asking about the podcast and I said, oh, you know, I've made this really great drink recently. And this is, this is definitely one that I'm going to keep in my back pocket um, because I thought it was amazing. I'm not um, a huge whiskey or bourbon connoisseur, as you know, so I'll sip Mm -hmm. it on occasion, but generally if I'm going to drink whiskey or or something like that, I'm going to mix it with something. And it's always tough for me Mm -hmm. to find something that has a good balance to it. And this is splendid. I think this, I mean, and you can play with the honey syrup too, to, you know, um, Mm. kind of find the sweetness profile that you're looking for because the grapefruit juice really does set off the sweetness. So it's not super sweet, but if you like sweet drinks, you can just add more honey syrup, right. And change the ratio around. So I think this this is a great drink for pretty much anybody. Um, And even if you're not a huge whiskey fan, I encourage you to give it a try because since it's got honey and grapefruit in it, it really sort of offsets it. And if, you know, you don't have to use a really nice 17 year old whiskey, you can use something that's blended. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So definitely give this one a try. And now we have our whiskey amours made up. I think we should probably take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about this week's movie, Lost in Translation. Spoiler warning for Lost in Translation. If you've not yet seen Lost in Translation, press pause, go make yourself up a whiskey amour, maybe listen to some sad jazz, and then come back and we can chat about it. Yeah, for sure. And Lost in Translation, it came out in 2003. It was directed by Sofia Coppola, and it stars Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. Now, keeping with kind of our theme for the last month or so of, you know, comparing the Oscars and Golden Globe winners, uh, this film was nominated for four Academy Awards. Uh, It won one. It won for Best Original Screenplay, but it lost the Best Picture, uh, Best Director for Sofia Coppola, and Best Actor for Bill Murray. Now, in the Golden Globes, it won Best Original Screenplay, uh, Best Picture in the comedy musical category and best actor for bill murray uh now the academy awards that one was dominated that year if you remember by lord of the rings return of the king yeah yeah it was and i I remember going into that season really feeling like it was a foregone conclusion that return of the king would win because it had been nominated 
the you know the first of the trilogy and the second had also been nominated mm-hmm. and had not taken it home right but you know this was really the time for the film to kind of get you know all three of those films to get you know the recognition that it deserved but mm-hmm. it's really tough because now as i look at lost in translation i mean there were a lot of other films that did really well and the only right. one it, the only oscar it took home was for best original screenplay which is pretty great i mean if you are looking for another way to slice and dice your your movie film watching you know going and looking at things mm-hmm. that were nominated or won for best original screenplay is always a good way to go um right but yeah, I, and it was interesting because this was, I think, Sofia Coppola's only her second film that she did. She did The Virgin Suicides a couple of years before. And um, and this, she actually w- was able to receive the Oscar because she wrote this as well as directed it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And to that point, I'm glad that we're going back and revisiting it because I like this film a lot, as you know, we'll talk about. Uh, but it's not a movie that you would just you know throw in to watch. You know, willy nilly, grab, right. make some popcorn, and and watch this movie. You you know, you sort of have to have a reason or you know a desire to want to go back and rewatch it. So I'm glad that we're uh, covering this one this week. So. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely not your typical kind of Bill Murray comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So let's get into the movie. So it's going to open kind of on a title screen, and you're going to see uh, sort of like a softened silhouette from behind of Scarlett Johansson as the title "Lost in Translation" comes in. Um, she's just laying in uh, her bed in this hotel room that uh, you're actually going to get to spend quite a bit of time in this film. But it's going to do sort of a hard cut over to Bill Murray's character. Uh, he's playing a gentleman by the name of Bob Harris, and uh, he's sitting in the back of this. Uh, car he's you know looking jet lagged half asleep uh and going through the very bright very vibrant very gigantic uh larger than life uh central tokyo and as he's going through town he sees one of these big digital billboards and it's himself there on a suntory whiskey ad yep and uh for sure and then he uh when he walks into the park hyatt which i think is a real hotel in tokyo Mm -hmm. um you know, everyone seems to recognize him. Everyone is welcoming him. He's got sort of this entourage of folks that are um, giving him gifts. And Mm -hmm. uh, one of them hands him an envelope, which you think is going to be, you know, maybe um, a letter of some kind. Right. He opens it up and it, it ends up being a fax from his mom or sorry, from his wife. And it just says, you know, you forgot your son's birthday. But don't right. worry, I'm sure he understands. And so immediately, you're like, oh, hmm, this this is this is going to be interesting because he's, you know, getting all this fanfare, and then he gets something very personal from his partner that is very kind of passive aggressive and acerbic. Right. Yeah. It sort of you know thrusts him into sort of this cultural difference, right? Um, you know, you get the name there, the title of the film, Lost in Translation. So uh, just it's going to play on kind of these cultural differences. So yeah. So kind of the whole entourage is they're giving him gifts. He just wants to go up and uh, get some sleep right after he's made this you know, 16 hour flight over to, over to Tokyo. So uh, he gets his gifts, gets this letter from his wife and he does, he heads up to his hotel room. But after he sits there for a little while, he decides to make his way down to the hotel bar. Uh, yep. But that doesn't really give him any sort of respite either because he gets there, he's just sitting, you know, having, having his uh, whiskey and a couple of guys sitting across from the bar recognize him. So uh, as it turns out, Bob is a pretty popular actor 
and you know they recognize him they want to know why he's in tokyo they think it's great they're trying to talk to him about his film and it's, it's kind of interesting he uh tells a little white lie about why he's there um we know that he's there from his uh, entourage to do this commercial for the Suntory whiskey but he tells them that he's there visiting friends uh, he right. doesn't want to want to let on that that's that's why he's there right and, you know, they do the typical fan thing that you're not supposed to do. So just so everybody knows, if you see an actor or actress that you adore um, sitting in a hotel drinking by themselves, leave them alone um, because or just say, love your work and leave them alone because these guys just right. keep trying to talk to him. And he's not rude, but you can tell after one or two exchanges where they're just not going to let it go. He's like, screw this. He, you know, downs his whiskey and walks away. He's like, bye guys. See you later. You know, um, cause he just wants some peace and quiet. He does not want to have to talk to anybody, which I, I think is, in, it's an interesting take. Cause you see this happen a couple of times throughout the film. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a theme that's going to play over and over again. So yeah, like you'd said, he, he gets up, he goes back up to his hotel room and he's laying there wide awake. Right. Uh, jet lag is, uh, real tough thing to deal with, especially if you're not used to uh, doing these longer international travels. So he's laying there awake in his bed, you know, trying to fall asleep. And then you just hear this loud, most obnoxious fax machine in his bedroom going off. And it's uh, fax coming in from uh, his wife, I believe, just something else about uh, picking out something for his study at home, right? Completely yeah. you know, ignoring the fact that it's 4 a.m. where he is and just sending this fax over to him. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a there's a huge time difference. And I think that she I think they're in L.A. is where the family home is um, mm -hmm. somewhere outside of L.A. So you can tell he's he's nonplussed about it. And but it's something like, you know, Bob, all of her notes uh, that you come to see are, are, like I said, very passive aggressive kind of. She says, Bob, you know, uh, you never picked out what kind of drawers you wanted in the closet. Here are your mm -hmm. options. I'm sure you're right. having a great time, you know, having, you know, having so much fun, you know, Lydia. And yeah. so it's, it's interesting because you only, we only actually uh, hear her voice a couple of times throughout the film, but you can, these, these really start to help paint a picture of what, what their relationship is like. Yeah. And sort of juxtaposed with Bob, you know, in his room, you know, getting this fax, you know, being awake all night, um, you're going to get the first of uh, one of these things where it just kind of shows a sort of sort of a mirror image but sort of a different image and you're going to see Scarlett Johansson's character um, she's wide awake as well in her bedroom you know at the same hotel she's sitting there trying to get to sleep her husband uh, John is there you know snoring away he's not not too troubled to sleep but she's she's wide awake so it just kind of is going to go back and forth and throughout this film uh, kind of all of these set pieces are almost framed and where you see Bob and Charlotte uh, sort of doing, uh, you know, sort of similar things in these hotels. Right, for sure. And it's an interesting scene because you don't know much about Scarlett Johansson or Charlotte's character, her situation. Um, but her husband is John and he's played uh, at really well by Giovanni Ribisi. And mm -hmm she is having a moment where she would really, she's, she's not able to sleep. And so she, you know, John's snoring away, but then she, she wakes him up maybe to kind of talk to him. And he just kind of enfolds her in his arms and is like, go back to sleep, just go to sleep. And then he's right. out again. And she's like laying there. It's actually kind of funny because she's laying there 
and he's totally asleep and she's wide awake and now she's like stuck right in this kind yeah. of cart contorted area where if they if they had just made love and fell asleep that way that would have been cool but because she is right awake and probably like yep. not in the most comfortable position uh it, it's actually kind of funny and there's a yeah, lot of it's... subtle humor around in, in this right it's like i said it's not a typical bill murray comedy right yeah yeah it's uh yeah just a. Uh another indication that Charlotte's sort of stuck here in this place. But yeah, neither of them get any sleep that night. Uh, you'll get sort of their, their first meeting um, that, you know, Bob's actually going to bring up later. Um, you'll see them both kind of on the same elevator going down into the lobby, but Bob's on his way out. He's, he's there. We find out in Tokyo to film a commercial for right. Suntory whiskey and uh so he he that's where he's going so he gets on to set the director is there the director's awesome he's wearing this uh super awesome leather jacket <laughs> and these these very cool like uh, uh bob dylan sunglasses yeah. um, and, and he's just you know it's it's another one of these uh sort of cultural things right so he's rattling off about ten thousand things and then the translator uh just says you know to turn this way and and, and you know, Bill Murray, Bob, he just keep, that's all he said. And there's a, a yeah. couple of these and they're, they're fantastic. And you get the feeling Bill Murray's probably ad-libbing a lot of this stuff as, yeah. as he goes, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's uh, really uh, great to see him there on set. Yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. He's, he's going through and the woman is trying to translate and this every, each time Bill Murray's character, Bob asks, you know, is that it? Is that all he wants? You know, the director goes off and it's literally for like 15 seconds. He's shouting something or it, mm -hmm. it sounds like he's shouting. Maybe he's talking, um, but he's shouting something in Japanese. And Bill Murray's like trying to figure out what exactly he wants um, because they don't have a lot of time to do the commercial. And the only thing that's translated is, you know, put your hand near your face and more very intense, more intensity, which is mm -hmm. interesting because the the slogan he's supposed to do is for relaxing times, make it Centauri time. So it's really just opposed. And, and you can tell, I mean, Bill, Bill Murray's it's epic because he's like, what am I supposed to do here? Um, right. Yeah. He, then, you know, he tells them, he tells them to turn and deliver that line, you know, for relaxing time, make it Centauri time. And, you know, there's only like one way you can do this, but he just keeps having to do it over and over again. Um, and yeah, yeah it's, it's just really fun. It's just to uh, kind of hammer home the, the difference. Um, like I said, the kind of the cultural difference and, uh, you know, things being lost in translation, uh, just like the, the film title would have you believe. But while uh, we're seeing Bob there at work, you know, Charlotte's by herself, uh, her husband, John has gone uh, for the day. He's, you know, he's a photographer so he's there doing some some work so she does get out of the hotel for a little bit you see her kind of in a subway she's walking through through some shrines taking in a little bit of the culture but she gets back to the hotel room and you know, she's calling her mom and you can see that she's you know really upset you know she's telling her mom you know i'm not sure who i married but there's kind of a disconnect her mom doesn't really understand what she's talking about and just tells her to you know, kind of forget it. And then you get sort of a neat montage of uh, Charlotte. She's you know, putting on lipstick. She's hanging up like a paper lantern thing above her bed in the hotel room. And it's very sort of reminiscent of someone like decorating uh, like a jail cell or, you know, some room that they're going to be stuck in <laughs> yeah. or decorating or decorating sure. your office or, you know, just, just somewhere that you're kind of forced to be in for, 
extended periods yeah. of time. So you're trying to give it little touches of yourself to make it a little bit more bearable. Um, at least that's kind of what I uh, took from it. And, you know, she, she almost seems happy in doing that, but about then John gets back from his day of work and, you know, he's just kind of nagging at her a little bit, you know, calling her out on her smoking, you know, you need to stop doing that and, and stuff like that. So. Yeah. It's a very weird, th- this scene uh, was very, a weird exchange to me. The call, the call to her friend or her mom, I'm not sure who she called, but um, that was interesting because she really kind of buries the lead, but not really like the, the first part of the conversation is, you know, I, I went to the shrine and they were doing these chanting and I didn't feel anything. And, and then she just kind of slides right in there and is like, I don't know who I married. I don't know what Mm -hmm. I'm doing here. And the person on the other line is like, Oh, well, um, can you just hold on? And you could tell they're not really hearing her. And so, yeah, she's trying to do the best she can. She's like crying on the phone. And so you could tell something is very, very wrong on her side. But then her mm-hmm. husband comes in and he's going on and on. He's a photographer and he's like, the, the band is, they, they're just saying, you know, they want to do it really rockish and they don't, they're not dressed up right. And, and then he's just, he's like, ah, you just got to quit smoking. And the way she turns around and she says, you know, I like smoking and I don't think I smoke that much. The way that they have this connection and it's probably designed this way, but you wonder how they ever got together. Right. At least I do. Um, when I see this scene, I'm like, how did they ever get to a point where they were like, yes, let's spend forever together? Because they're so not connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, I mean, very, dis- very disconnected. And we'll, we find out later in the film that they've been married like two years. So for, for definitely for only being married two years, it, it would seem like they wouldn't have quite this disconnect already. But, right, you know, so she's there. She's feeling a little trapped in the situation. Um Bob finishes his day on set and he gets back to the hotel. He's sitting in his uh, hotel room, uh, flipping through the TV. You know, he's seeing some old movies of himself on there, which, you know, he sort of just kind of rolls his eyes onto. Um, And then I guess the director had set a woman over to uh, his hotel room to give him a massage or something. Um, But it's 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 another one of these, you know, sort of cultural differences that, Sophia Coppola is kind of trying to hammer home, especially in the early part of this film that, you know, definitely kind of strangers in a strange land sort of a vibe. Yeah. I mean, this she's very nice. And you think that she's maybe from the hotel management that she has some news for him or something because she's very serious when he first lets her in, which is why he lets her in. And then he says, you know, she's like, would you like a massage? And he says, oh, no, no, I'm good. And then there's this whole kind of, exchange where she says you know we'll lip my stockings but because of her accent it sounds like it, she means rip but she's saying mm-hmm. lip and there's a lot of that um that that kind of where you're misunderstanding someone because their accent um right and you're you know bob's listening with american ears and we're listening with american ears because i'm american so it's, it's mm-hmm. it really adds to the humor but she like goes all out she's like rip my stockings and so he he's like oh, okay okay will you, will you leave then like right. and then she falls she throws herself on the floor and she's screaming for help and it's supposed to be this weird fantasy thing and poor bob is just like will you please just get out of my room like it's funny because he's right. like you know, help trying to help her up. And then she drags him on top of her. And, and then it, you know, very quickly cuts to something else. I don't know how he gets out of this, but it's one of the funniest scenes because it's yep. so ridiculous. I mean, this, 
yeah, it's it and very, but it's it's the most slapstickish thing that happens mm-hmm. in this film. Yeah, sure. and so we're moving on. So the, this film, to me, it's kind of set up as like a series of vignettes of kind of Bob and Charlotte doing these things together, but they're kind of bookended by them doing things by themselves. So we'll see Bob, you know, sitting at this table eating uh, breakfast by himself. You see Charlotte kind of walking through the city by herself. Uh, but then we're going to get into a little bit more of Bob's story. Bob gets invited to go be on one of the top talk shows in over in Tokyo. And he's like, well, you'll have to have to call my agent and see if you, you guys can sort that out. But he ends up going to a photo shoot. Uh, so he's now he's done the commercial for the Suntory whiskey. So he has to do the, uh, the print ad stuff, I guess. So he's got to, yep. you know, go and, and do that. And the photographer there is, you know, having him, you know, look like Dean Martin and, uh, you know, all the Rat Pack guys and yeah, yeah. and all this stuff. And uh, at the meantime, while he's doing this photo shoot, he's on the phone with his agent and they've basically agreed that he's going to go onto this talk show to do. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you think that it's going to be uh, a pretty serious talk show because they call it the Johnny Carson of Tokyo. Right. And he's like, look, you're getting paid like millions of dollars to do this. Mm-hmm. And Bob doesn't want to do it. He just wants to go home. You know, he's like, I, I, you know, this place is weird. Like, I don't understand what's happening. Given the fact that he basically had this woman try and be sexually assaulted as some part of fantasy, like thing the night before, like people were dropping off hookers at his house. Like I, I don't blame him at all where he's like, I've had enough and I'm done. I'd like to go home. Mm -hmm. But but the photo shoot's really great because again, it's a different, it's a different photographer. It's not the director, but they have this talk where he, he, you know, as directors or as actors, you you get cues of what you want to see. And so mm-hmm. I love this, um, this, this bit because Bob is like, well, you want Dean Martin or you want, you want 007. And then they have this talk about, you know, which 007 do you want? And, and it's really pretty funny because all he's doing is holding a glass of iced tea. And he's like, guys, you seriously couldn't give me whiskey. Like, are you, you know, we have whiskey here. We have like bottles of it. Why don't we just, you know, right. and they said, are you, are you going to drink? And he's like, as soon as this is done, I'm definitely going <laughs> to have a drink. I'm definitely going to have a drink. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great scene, but yeah, he gets his photo shoot done. Uh, he goes back. He, he is going to get that drink. So he's at the hotel bar uh, sitting there at the bar and you see Charlotte uh, back at a table uh, with her husband, John and a couple of their friends, I guess. But Charlotte sees Bob sitting alone at the bar and she recognizes Bob, right? He's a he's a famous yep. uh, actor of some sorts, and so she sees him. She recognizes him, and she sends him a uh, sake over to him. So you'll see him sort of acknowledge that he that she had sent this uh, this drink over to him, and he does you know kind of a little a little uh, distance cheers to her and yep. Yep. drinks it, and uh, that's kind of the. So they, they'd actually met the first time in the elevator, um, but this is the first time that they're kind of acknowledging one another. Right, right. And uh, it's kind of neat because that's that's probably how one would prefer to be acknowledged rather than like accosted about all their films when they're just trying mm-hmm. to relax at a bar. Right. Um, and at first, this first scene, I thought it was beer nuts for some reason that she sent over to him. Oh. And I was really confused. And then, of course, I realized because it's in like a little bowl, right, mm-hmm. that, that she sends over to him. Um, and then I realized it was Saki. So the next scene is probably one of my favorites of all time um, because it's Bill Murray on an elliptical trying to right. take care of himself. Um, 
and it's an elliptical in Tokyo. And apparently if this is real, I, I don't think I need to exercise there ever because he's on it and it's, it's pre-programmed. And so it's yelling things at him in Japanese. I mean, I think it's yelling, I'm not sure. And it just keeps going faster and faster and faster. And you mm-hmm. think he's going to die. <laughs> and right. so he, he's, he does really good for the first like 10, 15 seconds. And then literally his legs start looking like some sort of cartoon and he starts screaming for help. Yeah. <laughs> and he's all alone in this, in, in this gym. Cause it's yeah. probably two in the morning. Cause he's not sleeping. Yeah. He's, he's all alone in the, in the gym. You get kind of a nice, wide shot of him there and he eventually does uh make his way off of it so but yeah it's it's pretty funny uh just hearing him yelling at this thing trying to trying to get off of it so yeah but yeah yeah so you know everyone's kind of progressing through this uh this week in tokyo so we see uh, charlotte and her husband john walking through the uh hotel lobby i guess they're on their way out or he's on his way out for the to the day to get back to work and they run into uh one of his old friends uh this girl that uh he apparently knew i think she's she's an actress or a musician or you know some sort of something and yeah she she's complete opposite of charlotte right so right right yeah she's she's an actress and she's in tokyo doing a promotion for her um action film that apparently she did with keanu reeves and so it's kind of a big deal Mm -hmm. and they she's very bubbly she's played by anna ferris she's fantastic um in this role it's it, i think it's one it's one of the first times i ever saw anna ferris so um, right. she's very bubbly and she's like oh my god oh my god john you're the best photographer ever and charlotte's just kind of looking back and forth at both of them like they're speaking a different language and then right after the exchange she she gives her name she says i am you know i'm I'm staying in this hotel, but I'm under a different name. And Charlotte is trying to be funny. Like, oh, you you picked a man's name? Well, that, you know. And rather than kind of shrug it off or laugh about it, John just tells Charlotte that she's mean and she doesn't have to put everybody down. And not everyone went to Yale. And yeah, yeah. Charlotte's like, why do you have to defend her? You know, and yeah, you have that exchange, right? Not everyone went to Yale. Be you know, should be nicer to to people. So he leaves for the day leaves Charlotte at the hotel. So you'll see her uh, back in her hotel room and she's kind of set on the floor listening to this audio book, uh, some sort of self-discovery uh, audio book she's listening to there. And then as she goes to head out of the kind of walking through the hotel for the day, she sees John's friend, Anna Ferris's character uh, doing her press conference thing kind of down in the hotel lobby, which yeah. kind of, kind of watches for a second and then, moves along and you get kind of a neat scene of her getting into the uh, kind of the floral arrangement department there for the hotel, you know, another one of these sort of culture pieces. And, and you'll see there's a woman there kind of, kind of lets her, you know, play around with one of these uh, flower arrangements. Uh, yeah. Pretty neat. It is pretty neat. I, I really like that scene because they, they, they don't speak the same language uh, clearly, um, but she's giving her kind of direction and she's, kind of taking it she's like okay I, I can do this and um for anybody that doesn't know floral arranging is is an art form um that is done in tokyo um mm-hmm. they, they take it very seriously it's it's very um people go to school and learn all about this from a very very young age 
but it's a type of floral arranging where you have orchids and you have these really long kind of plants. Um, so it's not, it's, it's, it's just very different. It looks really cool. Anyway, right. um, I really like this scene because she's very, the woman who's kind of walking her through it is very kind and mm-hmm. she hasn't seen a lot of people that are kind, right? Even her husband, when he sees um, his friend, I mean, they have this exchange going on and on about how he's such a great photographer and she's so excited to be promoting this film, but it's really hard. Like they have this whole conversation and Charlotte's just standing there and right. doesn't really feel seen. And then for the first time, other than when Bob and her kind of have these exchanges from across a room, this is the first time someone's really paying attention to her. So I really liked this particular scene for that, but it's really fast. Yep. Yeah. It, it moves quick through that and yeah. it's going to be nighttime again. Right. So you're going to see her, you know, lying awake, uh, you know, her husband's asleep, but she's up, can't sleep again. Uh, we're going to see Bob. He's up, you know, late, can't sleep again. So they both are going to wind up back at the hotel bar. The hotel bar must be open 24 hours a day, which is very convenient Right. Um, <laughs> on a side note, but yeah. So they both end up at the bar. Um, Bob's already sitting there having a whiskey and then Charlotte comes in and she sits down next to him. Um, and they're, you know, only, uh, like a handful of people in this bar, there's a lounge singer, uh, singing, but it's just kind of the two of them. And, you know, he tells her that, you know, it's, it's relaxing time. It's Suntory time. Uh, she's not, she's not into a Japanese whiskey. So she orders herself a vodka tonic and they have kind of a, an exchange, right? So, you know, Bob, why are you here? Um, and he tells her, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm, you know, away from my wife. You know, I had the, I had the opportunity to go to this play that I really wanted to do, or I could come to Tokyo for a week to film these advertisements and get paid $2 million. So that's basically why I'm here. We find out that Charlotte's there with John because, you know, John was there to do some photography. So she tagged along on his work trip. They're going to visit some uh, friends and, and they just, you know, kind of find out a little bit uh, about each other and why they're both sort of abandoned and isolated in this hotel in Tokyo. Right. Right. It's, it's a neat exchange um, because they really, um, the, the connection between the two actors is pretty palpable and it's not, it's not like romantic or se- sexual in any way, really. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost like they, they really fall into that connection very quickly. And it's probably as, they felt so disconnected and out of place for the last few days and maybe the last few years of their lives. So right. they're talking to each other like they're long lost friends. Um, but there's a certain comfortability about it. That's, that's pretty good uh, to watch. It's, it's nice. In the meantime, they, you know, after this scene, they, they kind of go back to their own worlds where Bob's trying to stay in shape and he's not going to do the elliptical again because it almost tried to kill him. So he's yep. swimming in the pool Charlotte's visiting kind of these arcades where you get to see these interesting games um, Mm -hmm. that I wish they had some of them here um, because they look pretty fun. One's like kind of like a dance dance revolution. One's like a, like a guitar, but it's all like you put quarters in or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. uh, monetary exchange you put in and then you, you know, you pick it up uh, and you, and you play with it. It was kind of neat. Everyone's in non-Western clothes. So it's kind of strange to see. And there's tons of lights everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. but that was really cool. I liked that scene because again, I have never been to Tokyo. So I felt like we were kind of taking a journey together. Yeah. It's just, uh, another piece of this culture. You know, every time Charlotte leaves the hotel, uh, you kind of get one of these uh, culture pieces for her, uh, which is really cool. So they have kind of these, these moments alone. And then 
Uh, we're going to meet back up and uh, see John. He's telling Charlotte that he's going to meet, you know, Kelly, his uh, friend, that other girl for uh, drinks. And Charlotte says that she wants to go. And, you know, John's like, really? Okay. You know, he, he, he kind of looks surprised and annoyed and confused all at the same time. Um, but yeah, so she goes, so they get ready. They go down to the hotel bar um, and she's sitting there listening to John and, you know, Kelly and, you know, a couple of their other friends just, you know, ramble on about things that Charlotte could not care about at all. Right. It just uh, such a total disconnect between uh, her personality and right. her husband and, and the friend's personality. And, you know, Bob's at the bar, of course, because, you know, what else is he going to do all right. week? Right. So, so she eventually, you know, she has enough of, of listening to these uh, people talking on. So she gets up and she walks over to, to Bob and she, it's kind of funny. She asks him why, why he's sitting like a certain on like a certain side of the table. And he's like, well, if I pass out, then someone will see me. Yeah. It's uh, impossible which, for them to uh, forget about me if I, yeah, if I pass out. Exactly. But he tells her that, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's planning a prison break. And if, if she's in, and she says, yeah. okay. And then we find out, you know, that John's heading out of Tokyo to a different part of Japan, you know, kind of for the rest of this week, he's got to go do some work elsewhere. Uh, he asked Charlotte if she wants to go, but she says, no, I'll just, I'll stay here. I'll see, you know, the friends that we kind of were going to see and I'll just stay here in Tokyo. Right. And again, it's kind of weird because, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I, re- I love you. And she's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, and John's super excited. So he's not thinking about, you know, maybe she's not feeling like super connected to him. Right. Which we're seeing really easily. Um, so he goes, he gets, uh, he takes all his equipment and he leaves. Yep. Yeah. So we find out, you know, that they're going to be kind of at this hotel for the, the rest of the week together. Right. Cause they can't sleep. So you'll see Charlotte, She's just finishing up at the pool. So she's kind of walking back in a bathrobe and Bob is walking to the pool in his bathrobe. Right. And they, you know, right. stop and they have a little, a uh, little chat, you know, they both say that they can't sleep and she asks him what he's going to be doing or how long are you going to be in Tokyo? And he says, I'll be in the bar for the rest of the week. So she says, oh, okay, well, do you want to come out with me and my friends? And that sounds like better than sitting at the hotel bar. So he agrees to go do that. Uh, but when he gets, back up to the hotel room. He's got another package there from his wife and it's just full of carpet samples. <laughs> he just sort of dumps oh them out on, onto the floor. <laughs> and I think she says, uh, it's she so wa- great. She, the letter says something like, you know, she wanted burgundy or something, or that was the one that she thought was best. And he's just kind of looking at him on the floor and he says, which one is that? <laughs> which one? They're all the same. I mean, they look, they're all different shades of red. And so he's like, I don't know which one's the burgundy one. I don't know. So he ends up going to Charlotte's hotel room and he's in this weird like yellow green camouflage shirt. And yeah, I, I mean, it's pretty funny. Again, it's, it's just not something Westerners typically would wear. Right. And so he probably looks really in place um, except he's, you know, 17 feet tall compared to everybody else in Tokyo. So that, you know, he's like, I'm totally going to stand out. So he, changes his shirt and there's this really neat kind of, again, very familial exchange between Mm -hmm. Charlotte and Bob where he goes into the other room. He just takes his shirt off. She's not plussed about it at all. Like it doesn't, 
if somebody, I don't know, took a shirt off in front of me, I'd probably be like, whoa, what's happening? Um, but he takes his shirt off, puts it inside out, and then he's like, hey, can right. you cut the tag out? And they have a, you know, talk about how he's too tall, she's too short. And, but it's very much like they've been friends for a long time. Mm-hmm. They definitely have, you know, more of a connection here and, you know, kind of their couple of minutes of spending together than, you know, Bob seems to have with his wife and Charlotte seems to have with her husband for sure. So, yeah. So he gets, he gets his uh, awesome camouflage shirt, you know, turned inside out and they go out there, there with uh, some of her friends that you know, live in Tokyo and uh, you kind of get this montage of their night out. So they're, they're in a restaurant and then they end up getting like chased out by like the bartender guy who's got like a paintball gun or something crazy is going on and they're you know running through an arcade they jump into a taxi they make their way over to you know their friend's uh, apartment and then finally kind of the end of this crazy night is uh, they end up at this uh, pretty cool looking karaoke bar and you'll see right the charlotte scarlett johansson's character at this point she has kind of a pink wig on right She's away from her husband now. She's spending this time with Bob. So it's kind of like a little visual cue of her transforming into someone else as she's spending this time with Bob. Yeah. And they both sing, right? They both um, sing different songs. And um, I wonder how they, if they had to work hard to sing like normal people um, or if they're both uh, just naturally kind of, that's how how they sound. Um, Because Scarlett Johansson sounds like a normal person singing karaoke. Um, Mm -hmm. Bob, however, he, you know, he's picked a couple of songs that are very, that are a little more slow. Um, you know, they're kind of more intellectual, sentimental. Yeah. 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 And there's just this really lovely scene where he's kind of sitting there and she sits next to him with her pink wig on and she kind of lays her head on his shoulder. And it's not, again, like you don't, you don't think that they're having this torrid affair or anything. It's just something that's really um simple like this simple caring for each other is there in this strange land Um, yeah it it's just um it's just like a level of intimacy i think right it's it's like you said it's not really like a like a romantic thing quite as much as as i kind of view it as more of like an intimacy thing that they both aren't getting from the the people that they should probably necessarily so right they take a taxi back right Mm mm-hmm and uh, Charlotte falls asleep, so Bob carries her to her room and um, lays her on the bed. And you know he just kind of tucks her in, and she um, she looks up at him and she smiles, and then she she falls right to sleep. And again, it's just really neat because you know he isn't a you know a douchebag. He doesn't do anything <laughs> weird. Right. He just puts her to bed. But he does decide to call his wife. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time we really hear Lydia on the phone. He talks to her about the, tries to talk to her about the burgundy samples and, you know, tries to connect with her a little bit. And she, you know, it's early in the morning where she is and she's getting the kids ready for school, but she's also very, you know, nonchalant. Like, what do you want? What are you calling me for? Like, what's the stuff that needs to be done? It's very transactional the call right yes. it's not yeah. it's it's not they're calling to catch up or you know how's your trip going it's you know what color carpet did you want okay i'm getting the kids ready do you want to talk to them because that's going to put me behind and you know that sort of a thing so yeah. um, but i i do think it's worth to note when bob you know does take charlotte into a room and 
you know, lays her down. This is the first time we've seen Charlotte sleep in the in the film, right? She's always not able to kind of right. sleep through the night. So uh, kind of the, yeah. first, the first hint at that. Um, but then you get a really cool shot um, the next morning of Bobby as the day off, I guess. So he's going to go out and do some golfing and you get a really cool image of Bill Murray out on this, uh, you know, fairway of this golf course. You see, I, I believe it's probably Mount Fuji kind of in the background, just perfectly yeah. framed. It all, it almost looks fake. I don't know if it is fake or not, but it <laughs> looked, but it, it looks, it looks really cool. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So after he gets done uh, golfing, uh, he's going to go out for kind of a, a lunch date with Charlotte, I guess. So they're at the sushi bar and she earlier had stubbed her toe in the bedroom and she, you know, start, starts telling him about how her toe hurts and how she thinks it's broken maybe. And it's all black and, Bob's like, oh, that's that's a delicacy here. You know, we can we can just have, uh, you know, the the sushi chef will just cut that off for you if you want. Uh, but she he ends up taking her to the hospital to get this toe sorted. Yeah. And again, I mean, you had a really good point about how the first time she really really see her sleep is with Bob. She feels very safe to have him kind of do this thing that, you know, not everybody would do with another person. Right. I mean, it's. Um, so he sits with her while she's getting x-rays and they, they patch her up and in, you know, we see her kind of get back in bed in her hotel, looking at old pictures of her and her husband. And, um, you know, she's, you, you start to feel like she's feeling maybe sentimental about her and John, um, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because again, they're such different people. And it's hard to imagine them being in a place where they really were connected and in love. So right. even though they, they are fairly newly married, it is very strange versus Bob and his wife. It's, you know, they'd been married for like 25 years and it really kind of juxtaposes how time timing ne- doesn't necessarily matter if you're disconnected. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Charlotte invites Bob out with the friends that they were out with the night before um, mm-hmm. but they end up going to a very different place than they had originally gone to. They went to a restaurant at first and, um, but this was like a weird strip club maybe. Yeah. And I, and I think, th- I think they even call it like a restaurant, but yeah, she calls like to Bob's room and leaves him a message, you know, if he wants to meet up with her and her friend. So she kind of walks into this place and you see Bob is already sitting there, you know, and there's just a, a girl dancing on this table kind of, kind of right in front of him. He's, it's almost, it looks like it's like the, like the waiting area of like a restaurant <laughs> you go right. into. Right. But there's, there's just a, just but there's a naked there, chicks all over the place. Yeah. Uh, naked. Yeah. Just, just dancing there. And uh, she walks in and she's like, Oh, where are the rest of, you know, our friend or my friends. And he's like, Oh, they're, they're back having their uh, dinner already and you kind of see them, you know, in the back and, you know, they're sitting around a table with another girl dancing on there. So uh, they decide they're, they're going to take off. They're not going to, not going to stick around this place. So they leave and get in a taxi. And as they're driving through Tokyo, you, you know, you'll see one of Bob's big billboards and Charlotte, you know, gives them a little bit of a ribbing about that, but you know, she's not, she's not too taken aback, right? Like most people, you know, would be maybe kind of starstruck at something like that, but she doesn't pay it much attention. Yeah. Yeah. Now she just, uh, he's just a person to her, which is pretty cool. Um, and that, that must be hard. I mean, I, I was, I was never a famous actor, but I imagine that it's hard to find meaningful uh, relationships um, when you become famous because somebody is always just kind of 
has a different idea of who you are versus who you should be. And it, it can get very complicated because what they see on the screen is not you, but she, mm-hmm. you know, she's not impressed really. She's just kind of there. And yeah. So the next night, I mean, they're like 17 nights in this week, by the way, um, the next night, Charlotte's in bed. She still can't sleep. And she sees that someone has put a letter under her door mm-hmm. and it's from Bob. And, uh, it just says, are you awake? And then there's a scene of them kind of watching TV, drinking together, having a really, another really great conversation and exchange, right? Yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of laying together. I don't, I'm not sure if it's, you know, her bed or his bed, but they're kind of laying there in bed and they're talking and she says something about how, you know, when we met that first time in the bar and he says, that's not the first time we met. The first time we met was in that elevator. And you know because you know he noticed her you know that very first time but you know they're they're kind of talking and they come they make a little pact they say let's promise to never come here again you know let's never come to tokyo again because it wouldn't be as much fun as you know we're having together this this time and you know and then they kind of they kind of lay down and you know she asks bob you know does it get any easier you know, speaking, you know, about marriage, you know, about life in general, you know, does any, does any of this ever get any easier? And Bob's like, you know, no, but yes, it does. And, you know, he kind of talks a little bit about marriage and, you know, how it's exciting and, you know, it's hard work and all this stuff and, you know, about having kids and, you know, how that is hard and it's hard work, but, you know, it ends up, you know, being great. And he tells her basically that she's going to be okay. You know, it's all right that she doesn't know exactly what she wants to do. It's okay that she's not exactly happy right now. She'll, you know, figure it out and everything is going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's probably my favorite, my favorite scene because they are laying down together, but again, they're not, they're not touching each other. They're not cuddling or anything. They're just kind of relaxing. And he says, you know, I'm not worried about you at all. You're, you're going to be fine. Mm. And the way he talks about life and how, you know, in some ways it doesn't get easier, but the more you kind of become who you are and you realize who you are, the more you can let things go that shouldn't bother you because right. it, do- it doesn't matter to what is important to you. And you just need to get, you know, you get better at letting go of that. But he does say, you know, you, you think, you know, when you have kids and it was a really interesting take uh, on, on, you know, uh, as a man, right. As a father having kids, because he says, everything changes, you know, your life is never the same. He says, but these, these people are that you raise end up being, you know, the most amazing people. And that was kind of cool. But then he goes back to say, well, that, that really complicates a marriage though. And you can tell that he's, he's basically like, I'm not the only reason I'm, I'm where I'm at with my wife is because we have these kids that I Mm -hmm. adore that I have to, I have, I have to raise, right? Like, it, and it no longer becomes about this connection that you have with your partner, but your connection that you're trying to build with your kids. And so right. it complicates things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It, so they spend this, you know, kind of great night together, kind of getting into a little bit, you know, deeper meaning of their uh, friendship and relationship. And the next day, Charlotte decides she's going to, you know, take a train out to Kyoto, um, you know, you get another kind of one of these uh, sort of culture pieces where she's watching, walking through some shrines and, you know, she's looking at some of this origami stuff and she'd invited Bob to go to Kyoto. She'd left him a note um, at his hotel room, but uh, he gets it, but he's agreed to do this talk show. So he's not able to kind of go on this 
trip with her. So you'll see him, he goes and he does this talk show. Like you'd mentioned before, he's supposed to be like the Johnny Carson of Tokyo. But if you ever watch any Japanese TV, you know that it's just very, you know, especially compared to TV here in the US, it's very crazy and very big and bright and loud and just a lot of craziness go, going on. Yeah, it's and, you it's know, basically just, like, it's like an Easter bunny commercial colors. Like there's a lot of pink and a lot of yellow. And again, I have no idea what he's saying because it's important to note none of the stuff that's in Japanese is translated other than through a translator. And so right. again, he goes off for, you know, 10, 15 seconds talking, talking, talking. And then the translator just says, he says, hi, you know, <laughs> and it's like, that. I'm pretty sure that's not all he said, but um, you know, poor, poor Bob, he is trying his best. And so you know, when they have him do some kind of comedic shticks, he tries to follow along and, you know, get, you know, be a good, be a good sport on the talk show. But afterwards he's in the hotel spa kind of hanging out, relaxing. And, uh, and his wife actually calls him. Yep. Yeah. She calls and says something along the line of they were out of that color of carpet. So now what do you want for your, your study? And Bob saying, you know, I've, been thinking a lot about my life. I think I want to start, you know, eating better. I'd like to start eating, you know, foods like they eat over here more, you know, just trying to kind of start up a conversation almost. And she's just like, well, if you like it there so much, why don't you just stay right? It's very, very cold, very, you know, she, she was just calling because she wanted to know what color the carpet was. She wasn't really interested in uh, talking to him uh, about his trip. Right. It's very, it's very, I mean, it's really heartbreaking because she, She's not mean about it. She's just like, well, you know, if you like it, why don't you stay? And um, and then you can eat that food all the time. Yep. And he's like, well, okay. I mean, she says, you know, do I need to worry about you? Are you, what's going on? You don't sound mm-hmm. right. And he's like, well, you can worry about me if you want. I mean, only if you want to worry about me. And he's, again, they're not arguing. He's just really... I don't know if he's just coming to terms with it or, or this is the first time they've really acknowledged that she doesn't seem to really care about mm. him other than in a very transactional, like, what do you want? What, what, what are we doing? Um, right. There's no, there's like I said, no connection. Right. Yep. You know, definitely. And that's, and that's going to sort of drive kind of the, the next scene a little bit, at least. So, um, he's going to be, you know, back at the bar and then the lounge singer that we've seen a couple of times at this bar uh, this american uh woman with uh, very red hair um they're singing and they finish their set and she comes and sits next to him and then the next thing you know bob's waking up in bed um he's sort of laying on the side of his bed he looks over and he sees you know two glasses of champagne and you know two kind of place settings you know on the this little uh bistro table that's sitting there and then you hear her singing from the shower so you know that uh they've spent the night together right and Bob immediately looks regretful and like, you know, but not probably to me. I don't think he's regretting that he spent the night with her and not his wife. I think that he is uh, feeling like he has somehow betrayed Charlotte in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, because of course there's a knock on the door. Charlotte's timing is perfect. And she asks if he wants to, you know, have lunch and he's, you know, not even dressed. He answers the door. He like, you know, pulls it open just a little bit. And he's like, yeah, but uh, I can't right now. And then Charlotte can hear um, this lounge singer singing her really sad jazz um, in the shower. And Mm -hmm. 
you know, Charlotte doesn't look upset, but she doesn't look pleased. And she's like, oh, yeah, I imagine you're busy. Okay, well. Yeah, she's she says something that's pretty telling, I think. She says uh, to him, well, she is closer to your age, so you probably have more in common. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or uh, something, something to that effect. But you know, he so he says, "Yeah, I'll, I'll meet you for lunch." You know, I can't go with you right now, but I'll meet you for lunch. So, uh, you know, he, he gets the lounge singer up, you know, out of there. They go their separate ways, I guess. So you'll see him kind of walking uh, through the city on his way to meet lunch. His wife calls. They have another one of these sort of uh, disconnected conversations about you know about when he's coming back home. I think, but he, he finally gets to the sushi restaurant where he's meeting Charlotte. And uh, you can definitely tell now that she was, she was very jealous that, you know, Bob had spent the night with this um, other woman. Right. So she's, she's pretty snippy uh, with him um, pretty short and, you know, Bob's trying, trying to smooth things over as best he can. Yeah. I mean, they, they trade a few barbs, right. Where she does say that she says, you know, she's, she's closer to your age. So it's probably, you know, that makes more sense. And then he turns around and he's like, well, did, was no one else around to lavish you with attention, you mm-hmm. know? And, you know, but then they kind of stop and they've ordered, they're, they're at a hot pot place, which is a place where you go and basically cook your own food in a big pot of water that's very mm-hmm. warm. Um, and it's very healthy and it can be delicious, but they thought it was sushi. And so they're like, well, what the hell is this? So it's, it's kind of funny because all the things that they look at on the menu, you know, there's a bunch of pictures, they all look the same. And they're, but they're trying to kind of re- reconcile this relationship. And you could tell he feels remorse, but he's not really going to let her know that. And she's very right. jealous. Um, and she's definitely letting him know that. So, right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a weird thing, right? Like he, he feels guilty about doing it against her, but really, you know, <laughs> he shouldn't really feel guilty that he did it against her. You know, he shouldn't feel guilty that he did it against his wife. And I think she probably also feels guilty that she is uh, jealous over this because, you know, she doesn't really have any right to be jealous. So it's just kind of right. a, a weird, like amalgamation of the way that, you know, guilt and jealousy is being, you know, placed here between these, you know, basically these two kind of stranger fast friends kind of people. So Right. But, right. Yes. So you don't really see how the conversation ends. You just see them t- kind of order lunch and then order and lunch comes and they both kind of pick at it. Like, what the hell is this? Um, mm-hmm. And so later that evening, Charlotte's asleep and there's an alarm that goes off. At first, I thought it was a alarm for the next morning, but it's actually mm-hmm. a fire alarm. And yep. so Bob and Charlotte are downstairs, you know, milling around outside while they sort out the fire, you know, alarm. And they mm-hmm. see each other and they kind of make up because Charlotte says, you know, that was the worst lunch ever. And uh, he's like, yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, Charlotte she... asks when he's going to leave. Yep. Yeah. And he says that I'm leaving, you know, in the morning and she just says, I'll miss you. You know, and, and she sounds very, very sad and melancholy the way that, that she delivers that line. Um, it's, it's really good. So, uh, you know, since they're awake, you know, an- another sleepless night, the fire, I guess, gets gets sorted out. So they go back in the uh, into the hotel bar and they're sitting there and they're both kind of saying, you know, I don't. And Bob sa- says to her, you know, I don't really want to go home. And she says, you know, why don't you stay here with me? And then they're on the hotel, I guess, back up to their uh, bedrooms and they have kind of these uh, 
Bob sort of leans down and gives her kind of an awkward kiss because he thinks that the door is about to open and it doesn't quite. So uh, then he has to sort of lean down and give her a second uh, kind of awkward goodbye kiss before the doors finally open and they and they uh, make their way out of the elevator for the night. Yeah. And it's it's a very it's just not a very satisfying goodbye. Right. Because it, it's supposed to be their goodbye. But it's, again, like, it is a little awkward. He kind of kisses her on her cheek and she kind of leans forward. So it's almost the side of her mouth. And then it mm-hmm. happens twice. I mean, it's it's kind of comedic, but it's also like, oh, man, that's that's not so good. Um, so the next morning, he is all dressed up. He's got his um, bags packed and um, he is missing his coat, which Charlotte still has. And so he calls up to a room but she's not there and uh but then she shows up they just say goodbye and he gives her uh or she gives him his coat back you know again it's it's like okay well see you later have a nice life you know it's not mm-hmm. it's not very emotional it's very kind of standoffish and and that's how you you know really feel like the movie is going to end because he gets in the car and he drives away right i mean he's on his way to the yeah. airport Yep. Yeah, you'll see the car kind of just, you know, like like you'd said, they had just kind of this uh, very uneventful goodbye. She comes down, brings him his his coat, and then you know, they say goodbye, and he leaves. So, but they are going to get a uh, one last crack at this because on his way back to the to the airport, you know, probably coming out of the the hotel there, he sees Charlotte walking down the street. So he tells the driver to, you know, to stop the car, and he gets out, and you know, he kind of comes up behind her and you know, taps her on the shoulder. And uh, that's when you get kind of the, the more infamous parts of this film. So he uh, gives her a hug and then you'll see Bob whispering into her ear, but you don't actually get to hear what he's saying to her. And then they kiss and they have uh, an actual uh, goodbye here. Yeah. And it's, it's really lovely. Um, you know, as he's whispering to her, you can see her eyes kind of well up with tears. Cause you see the shot is, he, he's kind of out of view, but you can see her kind of resting on his shoulder because he's so tall. And they do share a couple of kisses goodbye. And then he gets back in his car and he drives through the city to, uh, to you think, to the airport. And she's kind of left alone in this busy street um, mm-hmm. with her heart in her hands, poor thing. Yep. And, yeah. uh, and that's, that's, that's kind of how it ends. That's, that's how it ends, right? It's, uh, it's definitely one of those ends that is left open to your very many interpretations about this film because there's a lot of uh, ambiguity uh, going on here in this one. So yeah, that's it. Um, so before we get into our uh, final kind of thoughts on it, Michaela, what, what do you think that he uh, whispered into her ear? So it's funny because I spent quite a bit of time on Reddit uh, because there's a oh. bunch of theories about oh, what no. he actually has <laughs> said. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not I'm not very good at Reddit, um, but I if you Google it, there's tons of articles you can look at. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely think that, uh, and I listened to the scene a couple of times trying to trying to hear it. There's no subtitles for it, so you can't just right. do that. Um, you know, I there are a couple of theories. The one I like is one where he he just says, you know, I I love you, and you're going to be just fine. If you don't, you know, go go tell him the truth though, right? Um, you can right. kind of hear a little bit of the cadence of what he's saying. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he knows that she doesn't love John and, you know, maybe they're not going to end up together. Right. But she needs to be true to herself. 
and right. stop worrying about that, you know, and tell him the truth and start to live her truth and live her life. Um, there's another theory that he says, you know, I have to come back for the next Centauri commercial in, you know, six months and go uh, okay. tell John and we can be together. I mean, there's one of those. Uh, okay. um, no, I, I, I land more on the, uh, the, what your kind of original take was there. I think he yeah. you know, says, says something along the lines of trust me, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, listen to, listen to yourself and, that I love you. I think that's that's kind of where I land on it. Now, ac- actually, I did I did a little. I didn't go down a Reddit rabbit hole like you did, but <laughs> um, but I did do some reading. And apparently, Bill Murray said that like right after the film came out, someone asked him what he said, and he told the guy what he said, and the guy didn't believe him. So <laughs> Bill Murray's like, "Well, fine. I'll just well, I'll just won't tell anyone. And if no one's going to believe me what I said anyway, so I think that that was kind of kind of fun." And that seems very much like something Bill Murray would decide to do. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's this there's this thing that apparently Bill Murray does where he'll go and tap somebody on the shoulder, and when they realize it's him, uh, he says, "No one will believe you." And so there's this law. There's this also theory that he just says that to her ears, um, into her uh, okay. ear, and because she's such a great actress, she you know she says okay audibly and mm-hmm. has the teary eyes because um, but she'd have to be really good i don't think that take would work because i would laugh um but she's a better actress than me so perhaps perhaps not um yeah i i I think there's something beautiful about the fact that we won't really know what's being said and um after looking it up a couple of times and seeing a couple theories i was like i don't really want to know um because i really Mm -hmm. you know this this relationship it's kind of an, well, not even kind of, it's an emotional affair, right? We're watching these two right. people sure. that are committed to another um, person really sort of fall in love, but not like in the most wholesome way because you don't feel like it's something torrid and a betrayal even. It, it's, it's really complicated the way this film puts it together, which is why I think it's it was so good because you really right. are kind of rooting for them and then you know that it's not going to work. It's not a thing that's going to last. You know, I, I don't think in the future that Bob leaves his wife and she leaves John and they end up, you know, living, living a life together. Um, but I think that right. they'll always have this amazing week where they did really feel a deep sense of love and that it almost transcended the the uh, a marriage in a way um Mm -hmm. and and maybe that only works (laughs) for like a week because because as as bob says marriage is really long and hard and you you know it it can get very complicated once you really start building a life and carving out a life together so um yeah what were your thoughts when you saw it was this the first time you'd seen it or no no so i i'd seen it back when it had very first originally come out um and like i mentioned at the top of the show i i really enjoy this film and so i was uh, really glad to go back to revisit it because yeah it's it, i haven't watched it since then so since you know 2003 or four or whenever i i would have uh seen it the first time but yeah i i absolutely love this film you get sort of these little kind of mini scenes of them interacting together um mm. like i mentioned and they're kind of bookended by these by these shots of them being alone and i really like the way that visually the film is composed uh definitely a lot of the you know same techniques that we would have seen in Sofia Coppola's father's films like and the godfather but you'll see them kind of living the same 
existence in this hotel, right? So uh, they're both alone, but the way that it's presented kind of shows the opposite sides of the coin that they're on. So you'll see like um, Scarlett Johansson's character, Charlotte, um, anytime they show um, her alone, so she's going to be framed in by something. So you'll see her sitting in a window with the window frame around her, or you'll see her, you know, kind of closed in in the bathtub, or you'll see her kind of shot top down on the bed with the bed surrounding her. Um, so she has this, you know, sense of uh, visually showing how isolated that Charlotte is feeling um, right. from her own husband, isolated in this hotel. And you get the same kind of pictures of Bob in this, of Bill Murray's character, uh, but it's different. So you'll see Bob, you know, sitting on his bed, but instead of being top down and closed on his bed, it's a pulled back shot. So you see him alone in this big, huge uh, hotel room, or you'll see him alone in this big, uh, open swimming pool at the hotel, mm -hmm. or you'll see him completely alone on this big golf course. So his is his is more of rather than being, you know, kind of trapped like Charlotte is feeling, he's feeling more alone, more isolated, kind of in these same same kind of things, just the way that they're shot, I think is uh, super interesting. And I just love kind of dissecting stuff like that in uh, these, you know, kind of ambiguous films. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a really good point because because since they both they both feel lost, right? They mm -hmm. both feel lost, and even he even he says that to his wife, right? right. In a phone call, he says, "What pick whatever you want." When they're talking about the burgundy carpet, he says, "I just feel really lost," and you know he he, he can admit it, but he's in a very different place where he can really do anything, right? Like he's supposed right. to be able to, right? Because he's older and wiser, and he's making a lot of money, and he's this big movie star. He's he's had this really big career, um, but in the end, he feels you know just as alone and and kind of trapped as she does, and where she has very visibly sort of painted herself in a corner in this relationship and in this space. And, you know, yeah. I, I think, I think it really, this film was not given, I mean, it was given a lot of credit because it, it got a lot of accolades at the time, but I think it ages um, really beautifully too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that that's something that's, that's kind of valid. If you are, the kind of movie watcher that wants, you know, some sort of, you know, a nice tight, you know, story presented, you know, with a, you know, clear, you know, introduction and a clear conclusion, then this film is going to drive you up the wall. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, so I could definitely see why if, if you watch this and you're like, that movie was terrible. I didn't understand it. I don't understand. I just wasted, you know, 90 minutes watching this thing. I totally get that. And I think that that's, you know, a super valid takeaway, but if you enjoy you know, films that, you know, leave things open to interpretation and, you know, kind of uh, make you kind of look at things a little bit deeper and, and find the meaning in it, then uh, I think that this film is a really excellent one to check out. So. Agreed. So, yeah. So if you have watched Lost in Translation, let us know kind of which side of uh, that fence you fall on, or if you've never watched it, uh, give it a watch and let us know what you think about it. We would definitely love to know what you think. And if you make a whiskey or more, we definitely want to know that and see pictures of it because it is a very fancy looking drink. Uh, you can leave us uh, pictures and comments um, on our Instagram and Twitter. It's at drink the movies and facebook.com slash drink the movies. 
Uh, you can find the recipe, the pictures of our drinks, uh, the episode recap. Uh, that's going to be on our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. And make sure you go enter our Oscars competition. So just go to the website and then um, in the tabs across the top, just pick the uh, Oscars 2021 and get your uh, bracket filled out there uh, to get entered to win one of those prizes. Uh, Michaela, why don't you tell people where they can uh, check out the podcast and leave us a review? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere Anchor Podcasts are distributed. We'd appreciate if you subscribed. And if you do like the podcast, leave us a five-star review because it really helps us get the Drink the Movie stuff out there. And we can do more swag stuff like this uh, this contest, which I'm actually really excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, we got so y'all the better show in. up for it. You got a couple yeah. more weeks. Yeah, we got the glasses in. Gave them a gave them a test drive here this uh, this weekend. So so yeah, so definitely get entered into that. And unfortunately, I I think I I still need some more relaxing time. I need some more Suntory time. What do you think? Yeah, it's man, it's always a good time for Suntory time. Uh, I'm gonna go fix myself another one of these bad boys because it is delicious. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for Lost in Translation, and we will catch everyone next time on. Drink, Drink the, the movies. movies. Yeah, that was right. That was pretty good.